Hello and welcome to Anime Ichiban. It's our Goomba Stomp anime podcast. Hooray! Uh, it's going to be a good episode, as always. Uh, so I'm joined by Kyle, Matt and Mike today. Mike is a very special, lovely guest. Uh, so we'll start by introducing Kyle and Matt, as always. Kyle, how are you? What's news in Kyle land? Um, well, didn't go camping. Especially Ooh. after I got really excited at the prospect of camping after having watched Eurocamp. Now... I just get to watch anime at home, so that's fun. Better life. That is a better <laughs> life. Better. That's a good life. You can you enjoy watch the luxuries of a bed. Camp instead. That is true. I can do that. But I wanted to you be an anime. I wanted to be an anime character. All right. <laughs> we can all dream. As long, they'll stay dreams, though. Yeah. But aside from <laughs> that, have been pretty good. Played a bunch of board games last night. Uh, so Ooh. my, I'm. I had a massive headache before I went to bed last night, and I'm pretty sure that's because the that's the most I've ever thought in like the span of four hours for a long time. So, which board game was it? Uh, it's called Legend of the Five Rings. Um, right. It's made by the that. same people that made Netrunner and Arkham Horror, so it can give you an idea into how batshit crazy the rules can get. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I can imagine in that case, yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. Fun times. And Matt, what about you? What's news? Um, well, I, w- I was enjoying the extra hour of the day <laughs> that America was privileged to have because of daylight savings time until I realized like 45 minutes ago, I was like, oh, shit, the rest of the world, i.e. Harry Land and Mike Land is still in the previous time zone. So we're still we're <laughs> technically recording one hour earlier than we normally are. So, yeah, I just scrambled, get some lunch, full of belly now. Had a good time yesterday, though. Just hung out with some friends. I run a local uh, anime meetup group in Boston. And so um, hosted that yesterday. And we had a big turnout. It was like a record number at 34. Oh, which is insane. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have to find a new venue because we've certainly outgrown the one we're at now. That's for <laughs> sure. And you mentioned as well that you're really tired. You didn't have a good night's sleep. I mean, I- I'm, I'm okay now that I've eaten something, at least. Yeah, because I, I was going to say, like, the reason I bring that up is because I'm tired as well. Uh, I was, my girlfriend was at a party last night, and I was waiting up for her to, like, to get home so I could wish her a good night. And I was waiting up till, I think, six o'clock, and she fell asleep and forgot to call me. And then I woke up at, like, eight, and I managed to call her and get through. And, uh, you know, to do to do the boyfriend shit of, good night, darling, I love you, all that malarkey. But the result now is I, uh, I've i only had two hours sleep. However, I stayed up all night playing Breath of the Wild. I'm doing a run on uh, Master Mode, which is really fun. So, I mean, on the plus side, I got some good uh, some good time sinking into that. But I'm very, very tired. I've had an awful meal today. I've just had, uh, had some little raspberry cakes, a hot chocolate, and then I had some falafel bites with vegan mustard, which was, it was great. But it's not really very much to, to go on for the day. So... I'm uh, I'm in a bit of a state right now, but it should be all good. Um, so yeah, and Mike, how are you, our special guest? Uh, I am doing just fine, just fine. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Guacamelee Two over the course of this weekend. Oh, is it good? It is quite good, actually. I think it. I I recently replayed the original. I got it for like three bucks on the PSN or something. Um, and then going from that one right to this one, the game feels way better. Like. You can really feel that they've been working on this game for a long time. Because I think the first one came out like 2013 or something like that, or 2012. Yeah, it's decently old now. Old yeah, game, yeah so, so 
And I don't know. I don't know that they released anything else in the meantime. So if they've been spending all this time working on it, then it shows because this game feels great. It, it, they cut all the fluff out of the first one. There's no more of those doing side quests for villagers. None of that stuff. It's just like it, it moves at a very brisk pace. There's lots of new power ups that you can use to explore the world. The challenge is through the roof. It's it's a very good game. Very satisfying. That's awesome. Yeah. So they just basically like cut all the bullshit and just got straight to the punch. Yeah, you can tell that they they really listened to feedback and really hammered it out. Most people thought the first one was a pretty good game as it was, so <clears throat> I think they've they've improved vastly on the formula. Um, also, I've been in the anime world. I've been watching um, the second season of Psychopaths. Ooh. Oh, oh, hmm. I, I I really like the first season. I think the second season wasn't anywhere near as strong. But how are you finding it? Um, I was I'm shocked to find how different it is. Um, but so far I've only watched the first two or three episodes, but yeah, I, I'm in, I'm enjoying it. It's, it feels like a very different show though, because, um, I think they lost like three strong members of the cast at the end of the last yeah. season. So it's kind of, it's, it feels like a very different show. I was expecting, I don't want to spoil, but there's pr- one of the most prominent characters in the show leaves at the end of the first season. And I was expecting to see him pop back. I don't know if he will, but so far... They literally haven't even mentioned him, so I don't know if he's gonna even be back at all. Is this and a that... is this like the male protagonist? Yes, I, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess it, not really a spoiler. It's just kind of like a warning. Uh, he doesn't come back. Really, he doesn't pop <laughs> in the show again. That's so, really surprising. Yeah, it is kind of strange. Um, there is, is the movie though that takes place after the second season, so maybe he comes. I haven't seen ooh. the second season or the movie, but I hear the movie is very good. I will have to check that out because, yeah, I really... The first season was incredible. First and season yeah, is really good, yeah. Yeah, the, once once it hits, like, the... Once they stop doing the Killer of the Week and they start to get into, like, Makashima um, and his, like, sort of Moriarty complex, like, the show really hits its stride. It's awesome. awesome. I remember one very specific scene in that show that involved a shotgun that I think you guys will know what scene I'm talking about that really stuck with me and still sticks with me right now. Uh, mm-hmm. as just like really highly impactful and just got straight to the punch. Like, this is what you're dealing with with the show. This is like the kind of concepts we're uh, pushing forward for you to think about. And it was very high impact. Yeah, yeah, it's a very cool, very cool. I really enjoyed the sort of Hannibal-esque storyline with that girl making those um, sculptures out of dead bodies. And oh, putting them yeah, in. yeah. That was very um, Hannibal-esque, so I, I was like, Episode that. four, episode five is quite early on, and that was really cool. Uh, yeah, you mentioned that. like the kill of the week thing and even though they're a little bit sort of formulaic I still think even they are very entertaining and interesting mm-hmm. to see and it's a great way to start the series um, so yeah on the subject of anime again would you say you've got a favourite anime a favourite series mine I mean I wear it on my sleeve it's Attack on Titan is my favourite anime ever but yeah. I, I what a I like to think <laughs> what a coincidence <laughs> I was yeah. hoping you would say that <laughs> yeah like I, I mean some other ones I've watched um Full Metal Alchemist I like a lot Psychopaths which I mentioned um oh a few other ones Death Note I'm sort of a I'm not like a deep diver of anime quite yet I'm sort of like more of a surface level <clears throat> anime guy which be- you know one Punch Man, man great show. Some of some of that surface level stuff is like the best stuff mm-hmm. on offer. That's the thing. Like genuinely, I something like One Punch Man. That's like quite a common introductory anime, and it's fucking awesome. It's really really good. Again, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. A lot of people start with that. It's amazing. So so yeah, you're not missing too much. Um, so yeah, that's awesome. 
And speaking of Attack on Titan, that is our first topic for today. So it's recently wrapped up its third season um, and it's it's kind of divisive. Like, I think we all have different thoughts on it. I've seen four episodes in, I believe. Uh, and I think, have you guys all finished it? You've all f- finished a third season? I have finished it, yes. I have, yes. I've gotten up, I'm like two episodes away from the end. Oh, okay. So you're near the end. So I'm, Kyle, yeah, I'm what near do you think, first of all? Um, Shall we avoid spoilers or is this... Are we just going to be blasting uh, those spoilers spo- all over the place? Spoiler warning. Well, Let's we'll just yeah. go spoiler spoilers, warning. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with yeah. spoiling it. We will be doing um, a full spoiler. Yeah, yeah, we're going to so finish this, yeah. I, especially having just gone back through season one and two, um, because it's been quite a while um, since I've watched the show, just to catch myself up, I there are a lot of really good ideas. Like, this show has very strong world building. It's got some really good personalities and good characters. Fan-fucking-tastic action when it decides to actually have it. Mm. Because mm-hmm. season two was kind of a god-awful slog to get through because, A, Aaron's getting kidnapped like every other fucking episode. B, there's like a stretch of two or three episodes where it's just people talking and having flashbacks. And it, it's not particularly fun to get through. It, and it doesn't There's, like it, it's I fine it's if episode you have... 10 mm-hmm. episode 10 where they're all sat in a tree yeah and for the yeah. entire episode oh my God. they speculate they don't even answer questions they just speculate mm-hmm. about questions mm-hmm. and you just think that was a complete waste of time nothing actually occurred there was no answers no significant events it was just rambling for 25 minutes it's like 25 minutes of our podcast in an episode, <laughs> that's not I good. Who wants to listen? You just called You just called our podcast not good. No, no. He our called podcast our podcast is phenomenal, Attack but it is Titan. rambling. He called our podcast Attack on Titan, which is extremely popular, which is what we are. Yes, okay, um, extremely popular. But no, like going through it and like what made you know so much of season one, and there are parts of season three that are very strong, is that they managed to know when to alternate and like between exposition action and sometimes having them both at the same time like the entire sequence um under the church has been pretty good there are a few aspects where it feels like how much of this did you plan ahead it feels like this is kind of getting shoehorned in here like the the, the series does rely a lot on flashbacks to fill in so Mm -hmm. far it seems like the explanations have been pretty satisfying i'm still waiting to see what the fuck is in the basement but <laughs> uh, I like the setup so far. But I also haven't finished season yeah. three, which you guys have. Right. So speaking of people who have finished season three, <laughs> Matt first, what do you think to season three? You finished it all. And also right. ruin ruin the ending for Kyle. Whatever. <laughs> and you you too, I guess. <laughs> Me too, but, but I'm, I'm not as invested, so it's okay. All right. Well, I'll say this first. The way I've always described Attack on Titan in the past was it's kind of like frosting on a cake and that like if you're eating this frosting it's super sweet and super satisfying but then as soon as you stop eating it it's just like i just ate nothing yeah i just did nothing it's it's great it was yeah. great in the moment but then as soon as you're done it's like what did it that's how i felt about the first two seasons of attack on time like i was so into every single episode even like those like tree talking episodes in the moment while i was watching the episode and then i would stop watching the episode and i'd wait a week and i think back it's like what the fuck have we accomplished in all this time? And the answer is very, very little. Like, Attack on Titan has always been 
questions, 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 mm-hmm. questions, and very few answers. That changed with season three. Like we got some actual very meaty answers finally, I feel like. We finally learned how Titan shifters come to be. We come we learned how Titans come to be. We don't know the exact specifics, but we finally have hardcore confirmation, like it's been insinuating that they are man-made, among some other like very meaty uh answers without putting forth too many mass other massive questions that overshadow them as well. I feel like for the first time in a long time the series has actually made legitimate progress. And that's something I did not expect going into the season when I heard that it was very human versus human focused. Uh, mm, I, mm. When I heard it was going to be like that, my first thought was like, why now? Why <laughs> don't you have better things to do than fighting each other when there are these man eating things that are trying to destroy humanity? Like this doesn't, this seems counterproductive and it definitely surprised me in that regard. Something else that came about that is that the action scenes were completely reworked and different from the previous seasons because hunters versus titans you have this highly mobile unit around this very immobile unit essentially and you had action sequences based around that and these human versus human fights you have one highly mobile unit versus another highly mobile unit oh god the flying cowboys are so cool yeah the action sequences were completely different in that regard and that was just like a feast to behold and so i really enjoyed season three due to how much it actually progressed the plot and how different in a very good way it felt from previous seasons. And I do yeah. wonder if our resident Attack on Titan guru, Mike, shares similar thoughts in that matter. What do you think, Mike? Well, um, to bounce off what Matt is saying, I think, yeah, the, the action was a lot more frenetic and intense this season because it's so it's so much more fast moving. I think in episode two, when um, Levi has to escape... Yes. The um, oh, anti-person, that anti-personnel squad, fucking awesome. That chase yeah. sequence was really good. That was like edge of my seat. Like holy shit, what is going on? And watching Levi, watching Levi take out all those um, anti-personnel guys is was just awesome. It was just that was. It's very cool to see a shift because we've seen so much Titan fights over the course of the show. It's cool exactly. to see the show mm-hmm. shift into something different. Sort of like Matt, I was like, I don't know how I feel about human fighting. Once I saw the human fighting, I was like, this is sweet. So I enjoyed that quite a bit. Um, the thing the thing I'm most impressed with with Attack on Titan as the show goes on is how consistent the narrative has been throughout. Like every time you learn something new, you can go back and watch episodes from the past and you'll see that there's hints of that already that you just didn't recognize. Like somebody, um, somebody um, took a shot of, Bert Holt, uh, in, in season two, when they were stuck on yeah. that tower and it was about to fall over, someone took a shot of Bert Holt about to bite his hand. Oh, Even, that, which was, which long before he, that was like three or four episodes before they'd let you know that he was actually a Titan. Was that's that like, crazy. was he like in That's the background really cool. or like where no, was he? No, he was a direct shot. shot. Like of him, of, like yeah, about yeah. to bite his hand. Yeah, it's and it's we just, really like, clear. Completely glossed over that. We, no one because knows. you just didn't. You, yeah, it just yeah. you wouldn't and unless you know that unless you associate him with a Titan, you wouldn't even notice that. Mm-hmm. But the little things like um, you go back to the first episode right before, um, right before the colossal Titan appears, you see one of those flashes, the same kind of flashes that appear when, uh, when Aaron right. transforms like little things like that throughout the entire series, every little piece of narrative fits together perfectly. So there's never a point where you can go, Hey, wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense because and that that continues throughout season three, and especially episode eleven, I found to be very strong. Um, episode eleven is bystander. It deals with oh, yeah. um, 
uh, a friend of Aaron's father who turns out to be uh, the guy who trained them in the Titan Corps. And it, it goes back and t- tells his story throughout the series and how he's been in the background and stuff. And it ties in perfectly right down to the moment in the first episode where that guy collapses in the street and, and cries because so many of the people working under him died. Like all the stuff that didn't have a place in the show really suddenly ties into this one little story Everything right down to Aaron in the training camp and why he couldn't get his his that was awesome. Work. Yeah, all kinds of stuff. It's just crazy. It's crazy. The attention to detail and how consistent this world is, even when they're filling in just little gaps. Is I'm I've never been as impressed with the show's ability to have a, a thorough mission where nothing feels like, hey, wait a minute, what the hell is this doing here? That's like. I I think it's really cool. Like when you talk about it and when you're saying it is so well connected. And I think, yeah, it's something that maybe a lot of people wouldn't notice just watching like season one, season two, season three, and having that gap in between them. Um, mm-hmm. I think possibly because you've gone back and you've watched it like more than once, you've noticed so many more things like this that have helped you appreciate it more. And I think that's really interesting. Um, and it, it very much counters the point I, the point I want to make because uh, I'm someone who I watched all of season one and I really enjoyed it. And then I obviously had the really long break waiting for season two, which was years. Uh, but finally, season two came out and I quite enjoyed it, but I had quite a few issues as well with its pacing. Uh, and then I've kind of waited and season three's come out and I'm just not particularly invested. And what it comes down to for me is this. I feel like it's trying to really grow its world and make you care about its world and its politics and its various schematics but it has yet to really solidify its characters and make you care for its characters. So I, I, I kind of feel like if we were to say the main characters are Eren, Mikasa and Armin, um, they're all interesting characters in their own right, but I feel like you just don't see enough of them. I feel like so often they're in the background and there's plenty of episodes where they just don't appear. Yet they're these really kind of fundamental characters to the narrative and they're in it so little. Uh, and then you've got people like Levi, for example, and one of the things I loved seeing about him in season one is that he is this really competent, capable fighter. And that was an interesting character quirk that made him stand out. But then I feel like as time's gone on, you've seen that less and less. Now, I might be wrong, obviously, that might come into it more in season three later on. But I feel like there's certain character traits that are really interesting that get sidelined quite a lot. And then there's certain characters themselves that just don't get featured particularly and all the while, it's trying to encourage you to care about the politics of this world, but it's still not really made you care about the actual characters to carry these politics. Does that sort of make sense? I think yeah, it I does mean, make sense. Yeah, you go, Mike. I, I think there's there's a lot. I think that one of the hardest things that this show has going for it is that there's so much going on in this world and that they have to certain sometimes push certain things to the background, often for long periods of time. To tell yeah. you the other parts of the story. Like, I think the the biggest key example for me is Annie Leonhardt, who, of course, was defeated at the end of the first season. And we haven't we literally haven't seen her at all since there's been um, uh, some uh, some mentions of her from uh, Reiner and Bertolt, particularly towards the end of the third season. But we still haven't seen her. We don't know where she is. We don't know what's happening with her. Um, we all we know is that she was captured and we haven't seen her since. You know, little mm. things like that. And then uh, and then Reiner and Berthold became um, the central antagonist of sort of the second season. And then again, you don't see them at all until towards the end of the third season. Like, 
characters that characters that are important to the show and very important plot revelations um, or, or motivations, I should say, uh, get shunted away for long periods of time to the point where you see them again. And you're like, oh, yeah, what was going So what's going on with that? You know? Yeah. So that's like the, probably... beast, the Beast Titan is a good example, too. The Beast Titan, right? Yeah, yeah, so that's probably, well, like, the issue that I have with the show, um, like Harry was saying, is that it really is just the pacing, because all of the content itself is fantastic, but they have, yeah. like, so many things that they need to juggle, and, you know, you can't, like, like especially with season three and explaining Historia's entire background, not only her background, but the context of the Rice family and all of their backstory and all of that, that requires, like, a significant amount of time to invest in to make you as the viewer invested meanwhile mm -hmm. yeah you do have stuff like the beast titan another fucking walled city bert and reiner uh annie uh and then all of these other people and like you said too you have characters who have had so much time devoted to them in previous seasons like mikasa like armin um and honestly aaron feels like he hasn't really gotten a huge amount of development um, I do like the conflict that he was faced with under the church where he mm -hmm. basically lost his will to live, but it felt very clumsy getting there just because of the way that the story kind of moved him around and used him to move the plot forward in a way that doesn't really give him any agency. Yeah, I don't. I think if I think if they do another, Aaron gets kidnapped. Um, subplot, <laughs> oh boy, really annoyed because yeah. it happened in season two, it happened in season three, and it's like okay, we've we've gotten as much gas out of this I think as we can get. So let's right. just let's just skip the parts where Aaron gets kidnapped from now on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are two. Uh, it's just yeah. it's a complete kind of counter to who he's meant to be, which is the powerful protagonist. And and I think this is the weird thing of Attack on Titan. I really like that it does kind of break conventions or, or like it, it messes with your expectations. I like that. But at the same time, I think it's a flaw at times because it becomes a real cock tease, to be honest. And I think this was really, really prevalent in season two. There were so many times when it would build up a fight and the characters would go to fight then suddenly it'd say, earlier that day. And it'd go back to, like, yeah. earlier. Yeah. And you spend yeah. the next 20 minutes just watching, like, a build-up to that fight. And all of the time, it feels like it's really kind of testing you and almost disrespecting you and disrespecting your time. And it, it, it's like, it doesn't have to be action all the time, of course. Like, I, I'm more than happy to have dialogue. But again, this is the thing. When there is dialogue, it's not actually particularly interesting. So, for example, Historia has been built very heavily in season three. I would have loved to have seen more Historia character moments in seasons prior. Show me more moments of her interacting with the cast and having fun and, and kind of j just let me get to know her as a character. Let me see her joking around, having fun, and I'll, I'll naturally grow to care for her. And then when you apply these stakes to her, you apply this context to her, it's like, wow, I'm, I'm invested in this character. I care, and I care about the narrative you want to tell with her now because I've grown to care for her. But I almost feel like it's trying to do all these things and it's not earned it. It yeah. wants it wants you to care about Historia and her plight. I don't care about Historia. It's made no effort to make me care about Historia. It's just kind of said, she's got a sad backstory, you should care. Well, so it doesn't, really, it doesn't really work like that. You've got to make me care. I would say part of the problem too is that like it's it's got the kind of like 
character and political intrigue of like a very large fantasy series uh, without its scope um, because it still treats it very much like a fast forward moving shonen, which it is, um, but it's still juggling all of these plot points. So if you look at something like Hero Academia, for example, like you do have like different sides, but they're all still working within the same central narrative. Uh, towards the same plot points and you don't have nearly as many factions versus you know, something like attack on titan you have so many different factions working for like so many different goals that don't necessarily show up in what you're actually seeing as the viewer so that's why it can seem like it kind of comes out of nowhere when oh eventually annie's going to come back eventually emir bert and reiner are going to come back eventually the beast titan is going to come back but how do you tie that back into the main narrative because right now yeah. we're not really like you as the viewer kind of just have to rely on flashbacks and x hours earlier as a plot device for you to get informed on what characters have been doing which like will make stuff makes sense logically but as far as the pacing goes that's where you can kind of stumble well i feel like okay. i feel sorry i feel like what's 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 going on with the show is it's it's done sort of what game of thrones did where mm-hmm. all the characters were clustered together at the beginning and then they've slowly separated out and i think season four is going to be where they turn around and start folding them back into each other yeah yeah that could be really good if they did that i think there's a couple think... of hints towards the end that say, make it seem like that's where it's going. Um, right. The the Beast Titan has enrolled um, Reiner and Bertolt, and he's going back to the walled cities with them. So that seems to connect with their mission to retake Shingashima. And I think th- that those are going to converge, and that's going to sort of be like where these worlds start to fold back into each other. Right, because something I want to bring up is that Yes, the show definitely drops these plot points very readily, but I think something it does do well is reintroducing them Mm -hmm. in a smooth way sometimes. For example, what really stuck out to me in the third season was when it focused on Levi's squad and you come to a realization like there are so much fewer characters now. In Levi's squad, you have Armin, Mikasa, Kony, uh, Potato Girl, Sasha, that's her name, and Mm -hmm. John. That's all. When you look back at the very beginning of the series, it was in like 12s or something like it's been cut down so much and it creates like this almost black ops vibe of them, especially when they're being chased and hunted down Mm -hmm. by the government. And you see them work as this capable team and a scene that happens later on and under the church that really stuck out to me is when they use the gunpowder and you see Sasha using her bow and arrow. That was something that we learned in the second season but that wasn't had hasn't been addressed before but you see the bow and arrow it's like oh yes that's right she's like an actual skilled archer and yeah another she has part the skill that no one else has another part of that that was cool too and what i do appreciate that the series does is that once it establishes information it does do a really good job of bringing it back up like with the flare guns um which i thought mm-hmm. was a really cool tactic that they used because they made so much use of it in previous seasons and here they're using it in a completely different context from what it's originally designed for they're using it here as a tactical defense smoke screen um, right. when they're fighting against uh, Kenny's squad. And that was really mm-hmm. cool because that was information that had been established previously. Same with the ODM gear that the um, that uh, his squad uses. It's like, okay, of course, like, they would have, like, somebody would want to, like, create anti-personnel gear because this is super powerful. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, exactly. So I have cool. faith that in the future seasons they will be able to 
even though all these plot elements have been sidelined, they'll be able to bring them back into the mm -hmm. fold. Like, like Mike was saying in this brand, like coming together um, sort of thing and make it as not necessarily seamless because it's not this, but less as least jarring as possible <laughs> because there is going to yeah. be some adjustments. Well, according to the to manga, the according to the manga readers, the next arc was supposed to be the best season yet. Um, oh, really? Which is oh, why it's such a bummer that it got cut off because it was we were supposed to get a long season, but they decided to cut it off and put the next season, I think, in like six months or something. Okay. I don't know. I still haven't heard why or what the motivation was behind that, but they were supposed to. It was supposed to all come clipping out 24 episodes, but yeah, they're pushing the. It's called the um, Battle for Shingenshima. Right. Is the arc, and it's supposed to be like the best arc in the series. Ooh, that so. makes sense. That would be a big one because that's when they're finally retaking the wall or attempting to retake it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That could be really cool. And hopefully it kind of makes the story a bit more self-contained because I think that's why season one was much stronger in my eyes. Mm -hmm. It felt like it really spent time with the characters and in the background, it built the, side, the sort of political side, but it built it as like a subplot rather than the main plot. And it allowed the main plot to be on the fun stuff, on the titans, on the characters, on the action, on the interactions, which to me is the entertaining part of the show. Um, and the political side can come into it, but keep it as a subplot primarily and kind of have it grow in the background. If you sort of wipe out all the characters, wipe out all the great elements and just have the political plot, it just kind of feels a bit like, uh, just a bit boring. Um, so hopefully season four kind of brings it all back in. Um, and hopefully it introduces things again, like the Beast Titan. Because, like, immediately in Season 2, I saw that and I just thought, that's fucking awesome. I want to see more of that. And then it just disappears. And, again, it goes back to what I was saying about it being kind of, like, it just teases you. It's it's all well and good at times, but it feels like it just does it a little bit too much. And it just kind of, I don't know, like, it's trying to dangle a carrot in front of you, but it does it just one times too many. And that's a frustrating thing. So fingers crossed season four brings it all back and uh, absolutely nails it. Yeah, fair enough. One, I just wanted, the last thing I want to say about this before we move on probably is that what I'm increasingly impressed with is how flagrantly disturbing this show is and how it continues to make you go, mm -hmm. holy <laughs> shit, man. Mm. Like that, that episode where they reveal that um, Aaron turned into the Titan and ate his dad immediately right after like stuff like that is like blood curdling to think yeah. about. Yeah. Like I, I think I have read that online. I've not seen it, but I've read it. Um, and I I do like the sort of kind of almost horror aspect it goes for at times. And I think that's one of the really interesting parts of the show. That kind of really <laughs> sort of grisly tone it establishes. Um, and again, that's on best display when the Titans are in are on full display when they're when they're like rampaging around. So. That is one of the best parts of the show, definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yay. Anyways, uh, moving on to something that I think people will feel a bit less positive about. It's uh, well, these people. <laughs> apparently, the rest of it feels really positive. About uh, it. I see people like it, it. It's it feels like a 50-50 split. Okay, continue. It's <laughs> it, it, divisive. So uh, it's the Castlevania series mm -hmm. on Netflix. So just a quick disclaimer: it's not technically anime. It is an American. Uh, animation but of course it's a, a Japanese series so an American animated iteration of a Japanese series so it's somewhat under the umbrella of of anime kind of but it's not technically an anime 
before we get attacked or lynched by the two people that listen to the podcast, just thought you'd <laughs> mention that. Uh, so yeah, everyone's seen it except uh, me and Matt. Have you seen it? I have not. So everyone okay, except so, half the people in this call. Yes, two people, <laughs> two people have seen it. Two people have seen it. <laughs> Kyle and, and Mike have seen it. Um, so guys, what do you think? Kyle, what is your opinion on season two of Castlevania? Well, let me grab some popcorn. It's, yes. <laughs> it's got a lot of really good ideas. The world is fantastic. They have really good characters and really good set up to do something interesting they just don't and, and that's that's really it like i i wanted to like season two because i i absolutely loved season one it was such a great self-contained little adventure story where you're watching somebody fight monsters and it's great and i was expecting more of that kind of sense of adventure with a little more character involved and it it doesn't really feel like an adventure until the last two episodes. Like, the entire, like, first three-fourths of the show is just boring. Because you've got two different factions, and they're kind of just talking. And repeating the same points and telling you what's happening rather than showing you. And that was really grating for me. But Mike's review covered a lot of, like, the issues that I had where, yeah, it, it's just a, a huge pacing problem, and it doesn't know where to focus. It doesn't so, realize that, like, a lot of the strong points in season one were Dracula and Trevor, who kind of get sidelined for season two. So when you say it's a lot of talking heads for the early part of the season, do you literally mean, like, it's yep. many people talking around in a circle. Do they interject that with anything going on in the world at all? No. Nope. Or they say, "Hey, Dracula, this war ain't doing so hot. What gives?" And they just talk about a war that's maybe happening somewhere, but you never see it. It's and like, so, were these characters ever prominent in the first season? No. Nope. Or I assume, nope, not at all. So they're new <laughs> characters introduced in the second season, talking about what's going on in the world, without actually ever showing it. And that's you, you six 24 it. minute long episodes just about there are like what? a few action scenes um inserted here and there but otherwise there's just the entire flow of season two just feels so off and were there ever i i get that most of it wasn't useful but was there ever anything any piece of information they did say that you thought okay that was is Moderately helpful. No, I didn't know that. No, before. nothing. No, nothing. see, okay. to go off to go off what Kyle's saying, the biggest problem with um, the fact that half the season, um, what happens is Trevor, Sifa, and um, Alucard find uh, the old Belmont stronghold below the the burned down foundation of um, Trevor Belmont's house, and they literally spend four episodes sitting in the library reading books and talking. And it's just amazing how little happens with them. Because, like, these are the three protagonists of your series. And they're all in the same place. And they're literally doing nothing for four of the eight episodes. And the, they're sitting in a library the best talking part to about, each other. The best part about that is that at the end of their time in the library, by sheer luck, Trevor gets a weapon upgrade. That's it. <laughs> he stumbles yeah, it across... Is a family heirloom and it's like oh cool this is a great whip i'm gonna use to blow up monsters 
Like, what? What? <laughs> yeah, and then conversely, the problem on the villain side of the show is that Dracula just spends most of the season staring mournfully into his fireplace <laughs> while people come and update him on things. They walk up and say, hey, Dracula, so on and so on. And he's like, eh, I wish I was dead. And they're like, well, okay then. <laughs> it's just, it's just, the, the problem it's just with so that, little is happening. It, it's a perfect motivation, right? Like that makes sense that like, so at the end of season two, Alucard has this great line to his dad where he says, this whole war of yours is just one long suicide note. And that works so well as a motivation. They just, they take you to point B without ever having gone from point A. It's like, okay, I guess we're here now. Well, I mean, imagine imagine an alternate season two where Sifa completes her spell in episode four, pulls the castle to them, and then episodes five and six are them getting through the castle, and then episode seven is the same as it is, more or less, and they're going through the castle fighting Dracula's minions. It's just like the fact that they spent so much time sitting around and then they blast through episode seven is one of the best things I've seen all year. It's just... Wall, balls to the wall action it's it, it's everything you've been waiting for all season and it's like if we could have just had more of that and just to as a side note what the fuck is peter stormari doing on this show who's, like who's what a waste of a character oh god brad. god brad oh my god right yeah he just gets killed off like halfway through the season well he was a wasted character he's just an angry viking yelling around oh. he's like a useless he's a pointless character i'm like why did you did netflix just throw you a pile of money or something I just, why did be, you before we continue i'll just say uh spoiler warning uh yes. with castle rain <laughs> oh. season two well we can bleep that out uh he might it's, it's all right i don't know i mean I, I hopefully when they hear like we're going to talk in depth about castlevania season two hopefully people make the assumption there's going to be spoilers but uh well spoilers yeah, it is a belated spoiler warning it's an eight episode series it's an eight episode series and it was bingeable on netflix so i would like to think most people have cruised through it by now i certainly wouldn't be listening to a podcast about it if i hadn't seen it yet but that's just me anyway yeah um strong aspects though this i don't i don't want this to come out as totally negative because i didn't hate it i just don't i'm just like kyle i'm very jarred and at odds with the overwhelmingly positive reaction it reminds me of silent hill the movie when it came out like 10 years ago that movie was fine but it wasn't like everybody's like everybody's so happy to have something based on a video game that doesn't suck yeah that they're like overcompensating yeah. massively and saying that it's the best thing ever it's not it's good it's a good show it, I, I don't regret watching it but it has some serious problems that they need to work on if they're gonna keep this kind of pacing because they like the story they told could have been told in four mm-hmm. to six episodes no problem and the thing so is, is like it has the potential uh, to be great. Yeah, and ha- there's two characters that they introduced that I think are really strong in the second season, and that's Hector and Isaac. Which, if you guys have played Curse of Darkness for PS2, they're the protagonist and antagonist from um, that that game. Anyway, they're humans who hate their own kind and um, have have aligned themselves with Dracula to help wipe out their own species. Which a lot of the time I can relate to. So. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so question, because you guys have looked a lot at the the feedback that's come out on this show, and like you said, a lot of it is positive. So what are some of the positive things people are saying about it exactly? Like, 
are, do yeah. they actually enjoy the talking heads or I, I was, where are they coming I was going to ask us, I was going to ask pretty much the same question. Why do you think people like it? Why do you think it's had a 10 out of 10 response? Well, like Mike said with Silent Hill, it's a video game adaptation that doesn't suck. Like, mm-hmm. like it, yeah. it's, it's at the very least fun and decently done. Like, and I'll, like yeah, we and don't I, have issues with it in the sense that we hate it. We want it to be better because it can be better. Mm-hmm. And I can and I, I can interject that there are some really strong elements, particularly if you're a big fan of the series. There's lots of little Easter eggs. Um, so, like for example, I think the first or second episode, um, the trio of protagonists fight um, Slother and Gabon from uh, Symphony of the Night. The mm-hmm. the flying mm-hmm. the flying gargoyle guy with the skeleton warrior. I don't know if you guys have played Symphony that. If not, yeah, then I, was, I was actually playing it recently on the, uh, the PlayStation 4 collection, but you reviewed Mike and you said it was quite a sort of bare bones uh, port. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, so that's, I mean, that's another, speaking of disappointing, <laughs> <laughs> Castlevania talk, but that's another, yeah, that's another conversation altogether. But anyway, there are, there are good elements to it. Like, like I said, those, those two new characters, Hector and Isaac are very compelling there's there is some cool action when they finally get going with the action there is some cool action but the like like Kyle said the it wouldn't even be such a bad thing for me if like what you mentioned earlier Harry that episode of Attack on Titan where they're just standing talking in a tree that's yeah, not yeah. that's not a great episode but at least I cared what they were talking about in this yeah. it's like it's literally just Trevor and Alucard making fun of each other for like almost every interaction they have with one another. And then Saifa going, oh, boys will be boys. Like, oh, so you, you can do <laughs> you know? that. That's fine. You can do that. Just don't have them standing around in the library. Like have them traveling somewhere with something. Have to them do. doing something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like if you're going to, if they're, if they're, if the thrust of their story is them talking for several episodes, they have to be talking about something that matters. And they're not. So that's the that's the real kicker. If they were talking about stuff that I, that you could actually get on board with, but so much of the it's just you can you can feel them padding the runtime. You can just feel that they had about six episodes worth of content, and then they're just padding out that runtime by having characters debate the political machinations of a vampire war, and on and on. Good God, like it's just like yes, they should have if they wanted to expand the season, they shouldn't have gone for eight. They should have gone for six. Six would have been a better fit for this amount of storytelling. Quality, not quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big it's, time. Uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And I think, yeah, to, to have a video game adaptation that isn't complete fucking garbage obviously stands out positively. And it probably does incentivize people to give it, like, absolute critical acclaim, 10 out of 10. But I think, like... I mean, I don't know if you guys find this, but do you ever find that if somebody gives something like 10 out of 10, it is perfect, it's untouchable, and you watch it or play it or experience it, and you like it, but you think there's some real faults here, some real objective criticisms, you kind of, you're a little bit harsher on it because you're conscious of the amount of praise it's received? No, you're right about that, but that doesn't apply to me because I got the Netflix screener, so I watched it at the same time as the rest of the critics were watching it. Oh, really? And I put out my I put out my review fresh without anybody's input, totally on my own. Yeah. So that and that was still my one hundred percent opinion. And then it was like once the once that Friday hit and everybody watched it and all the reviews came out, I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> kind of like Kyle said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, just 
like with Castlevania, like I, I really didn't look into it because I was just waiting for it to come out because I was so excited because I loved season one. So I just watched it as soon as it came out. I was whelmed by it. Um, so I was curious what other people <laughs> thought. And I was, much like Mike, very surprised when people were showering it with praise because I, I watched it and I thought it was pretty fun, but there were some very real problems. Now, conversely, or like, with another series that I watched that did not match up with public opinion, I love uh, Wooly Cooly Alternative. It is absolutely a fantastic standalone story. It does so well to stand on its own. But I went online and it just get it, it got blasted. Um, and I think it suffers from the same problem that Castlevania does, which is people are going into it not looking at it in a vacuum and just not judging it on its own merits. So people go into Castlevania either, you know, expecting the world because of season one or because they're fans or because they just love video games and know that Castlevania is a video game property and are willing to, you know, kind of give it more slag versus something like Fully Cooly Alternative, which is a sequel to a cult classic, which people are going to be very critical of. So it's just, it, it's learning to divorce yourself from something that you love and being able to just look at a piece of media as objectively as you can, which I don't feel like a lot of people do. But I guess we can say that because we're critics. Right, I was about to say, we're, we're obligated to look at things as objectively as possible, but the rest of the world is like, they can be as subjective as they want. And well, see, and that's, no that's the difference, though, is like, that's what, I think that's what was so frustrating about it for me, is it's like, you guys were like we're supposed to be cut from the same cloth. Like you think of critics as a as a community of people who are who are supposed to be looking harder at these things than this. And when you see like when you look at um IGN like IGN's review was the was the one that I, that I was most blown away by because they gave it I think a nine point two or a nine point six or something. And there was literally just showering the show with praise, and there was no negative talk whatsoever. At all, and it. It was I didn't find anything. I found like like you'll find like there was a couple of reviews I read where you get like one or two sentences barely acknowledging the pacing issues and then literally the rest of the article is top to bottom this is the greatest thing ever and talking about how great the character development is between uh Trevor and Sifa and Alucard and it's like no there's no character development. It would mm-hmm. it just I just I I it I'm not cynical enough to think that they got paid off, but I can see how somebody else might read that and be like they mm. took money like i'm not making that accusation but i can see how people can jump to that conclusion sometimes when you read something that so jarringly misses vast problems with the show like and i don't think these are just like my opinion or kyle's opinion like i think these are objective so problems that, that, so the that's the thing too with like that ign review like did they have points to back up their claims because like even when you're praising something like you need to be able to point to like specific moments in the narrative to be like, yes, I believe X because I saw Y. No, yeah, they don't give any examples of character development. They just say you get lots of time for excellent character development Ugh. because Ugh. they speak in like just these really vague statements. Oh and that's when it, that's why it's so frustrating because having watched it, I, I was like, there was none of that. Like, what are you talking about? The thing is, is well, I think it's like as a critic, it's your job to try and be as critical as possible because you've got to try and kind of let readers know these are things that could be considered faults. It might bother you. If so, 
don't watch or experience this. Does that kind of make sense? So, so like, in the case of Castlevania, it's worth saying, these bits are a bit slower paced, there's not great character development here, here's some issues, and you could end by saying, like, say you liked it, you could say, it's fantastic, I really enjoyed it, but here are the faults that could deter you, if that's not your cup of tea, then don't watch it. Yeah, so, like, the um, best critical reviews will be, you know, honestly, like, something, like, the way Matt phrased Attack on Titan as frosting. It's like, it gives you an idea of what to expect, and that's what a critical yeah. review should be. It should give you an idea of what to expect going in. It shouldn't, like, detail everything out and, like, explain the whole plot to you, but it should have some sort of, like, objective viewing of it that informs people who are curious about it yeah right right i think it's like it's so easy just to be like just to heap praise on something but i think to be able to like really kind of dig into like the nitpicky territory of something that's what makes an interesting review in my opinion so like so like i i mentioned this earlier but i'm playing breath of the wild again and uh, I absolutely adore Breath of the Wild. I think it's fantastic. I think it's one of the best open world sandbox games ever. But like, if I was to review it, I would pick some faults with it. I think Link can be very clunky and awkward to control at times, especially with platforming. I think uh, the lack of certain Zelda conventions, like the items and the sprawling dungeons, is sorely missed. And I think parts of the world are a little bit drab, a little bit bland, and it doesn't all quite work, although it's fantastic. I could say that in a review and still conclude it by saying it's 9 out of 10 or even 10 out of 10, whatever, but mention these are some issues regardless, so as readers you understand it's not perfect. But I I, I can't stand reading reviews where it's just, this is perfect, it can't be improved. It's like, really? Like, like nothing's perfect. Like, like, even fantastic games, fantastic shows, they still have little things to pick apart, little niggles that do still stand out. And you can still say it's a 10 out of 10. I enjoyed it so much and had such a great time. The pros far outweigh the cons. But, like, still acknowledge the cons. Still acknowledge some of the problems just because I think that's your duty as a reviewer. Mm -hmm. So I think it's extremely lazy and boring just to say, 10 out of 10, it's perfect. It's absolutely flawless. Is it really? (laughs) Like, I don't know. I just find it strange. I think some people are really forgiving and just ignore issues. And that, to me, is a bad reviewer. Yeah, like I pointed out in my review, I sort of concluded by saying that despite its flaws, it's worth watching, particularly if you're a Castlevania fan. If you're not a big fan of the series, you might find this is a waste of your time. And that's what that's honestly how I feel about it. It's just not like it's it's not 10 out of 10 perfect. It's six or seven ish worth watching if you're a fan of this. But if you're just like if you don't care about Castlevania, this is the second season is not worth your time, period. And that's how I feel about it, you know, and I think I just wish there was more acknowledgement of that. I mean, that's obviously that's just my opinion, but uh, well, also Kyle's opinion, more or less. But yeah. <laughs> uh, the point is the point is that I just wish, yeah, I would have liked to see a little more um, integrity out of critics than like I would expect that from people who are just like a bunch of people hanging out on a fan forum of Castlevania. But when this when it's your job to watch and review things for a living uh, then it's I just I expect more from from that kind of that sort yeah. of realm of mm-hmm. I'm I'm very very sort of salty towards shit reviewers who are getting paid a lot of money because I, I just think at the end of the day you have the best job in the world yes like uh, like I don't get paid anything for Goomba Stomp I do it for fun and I know that's the case with I think pretty much like all the editors 
it's it's quite common throughout the site and like the thing is i do because i love it but i just think if you're paid like a monthly salary that you can live on to play games and watch movies and tv shows and then review it your reviews better be fucking awesome do better yeah yeah it must be really good really delve into that and do a great review that justifies the fact that you're getting paid like over a grand a month do you know what I mean? But, but, but like, then if you just read a really shit review, it's just like, what are you doing? Well, I could write a better I mean, review than that and I'm not getting paid anything. And it just makes you feel annoyed. I don't just... know how much <laughs> you guys uh, delve into the anime side of YouTube, but there are a lot YouTubers. of people. Yeah, there are quite a few YouTubers who have very shallow clickbaity opinions that get them views. <laughs> But they're not particularly well-founded. So in that case, that is a little more of an obvious, I guess, cash grab. Um, right. Mm-hmm. But for something the like... The flip I, side to that... Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. You can finish. Well, I, I'm just with something like IGN, like, I... <laughs> I'm honestly more inclined to believe that they just have shit opinions without, like, any ulterior motive behind it. Versus somebody who is on YouTube whose entire revenue stream is dependent on views yeah right hey sorry i i just have to interject quickly to let you guys know i have to leave in about 15 minutes oh okay you know if you want to like if you want to if you want to phase me out and or if you want to just wrap up the last segment in the next 15 minutes either way i'm fine we'll be fast we'll we'll do a very speedy run through the last segment i just want to say something really quickly on the subject of uh of ranting whilst we're on it um yeah and uh, no disrespect to IGN, I'm sure there's some very talented writers on there. However, this fucking annoys me so much and this, oh, it angers me. So there's the whole kind of uh, online meme or the joke where IGN said Sonic was never good. And it's a video where I think they were E3 and they're talking about the Sonic franchise. It was a few years ago. And one of them said, I think we're looking for something that was never there. And the other guy said, yeah, Sonic was never good. And it wasn't. <laughs> Okay, right. In my you, opinion. In your opinion. Sorry. But here's, on, the, dif- here's the difference, Mike. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, are not, you are not paid a huge sum of money to to put that opinion out there. And I just think That's if right. you're on loads of money, you should try and justify your opinion a little bit more than that. Because otherwise you just come across as a, a, just a ridiculous kind of a YouTube commenter. Anyways, <laughs> okay. Before up. we before we jump into the last segment, I just want to say two things. One, um, in terms of my Sonic opinion, the reason I I think that is because I always thought Sonic Two was the best, and then I went back and played Sonic Two, and I hate that game now. Oh really? So that's where that that's where that opinion comes from. And then two, we've all been trashing on IGN a lot, but I just want to say I've read and watched lots of quality IGN content over the years. Yeah. yeah. So I yeah. don't at all want to come across as like. I hate IGN. IGN does lots of great work. Oh, yeah, totally. Like I said, there's plenty of talented writers, plenty of talent there. Uh, We're just nitpicking a few little bits. And you never know, maybe they'll put out a podcast soon where they do the same for Goomstomp. So it's all good. (laughs) But but, uh, anyways, last point before you have to go. Matt recently put out an article that was uh, what to watch this anime season. So all the different shows. And uh, I just want to ask you guys, what do you guys think? And we're also going to tie that into the uh, Crunchyroll and Funimation separation. So loads and loads of shit. We'll, we'll run through it. Hyperspeed. Matt, g- go. Explain. <laughs> All right, so, to, cl- 
I don't want to take all the credit. I didn't put it out myself. Like it was a mass contribution between multiple writers on the site. And I definitely could not have written all those reviews by myself. So thank you. You, yeah. Harry, Kevin, Brent, Paul. I'm pretty sure that's everyone contributed. I'm sorry if I've got anyone. Anyways, Kevin. Um, Kyle, I'm there sorry. There you go. There you go, buddy. <laughs> uh, it's the whole, I don't know what it is with me and the name Kevin. We were talking about that at the beginning of the podcast. Anyways. <laughs> um, quick highlights of the series uh, of this season for me are uh, Zombieland Saga, mm-hmm. which is an idol show, but not an idol show. It's it completely takes your expectations and turns them on their head and turns you back onto your feet and then turns you back on your head again, over and over and over again. I and watched the first episode sort of settles that, into a awesome. pattern. It's still like such a quirky and fun pattern that just is just so much. So enjoyable to watch because you never quite know what to expect. Fun fact, Kyle, not Kevin, um, that <laughs> wonderful producer, his voice I know, actor. It's Okabe. I, I, it's I love Okabe. Him. And also to Mike, who we mentioned Death Note earlier, it's our boy Light Yagami. Nice. You, you need to like look up a clip from Zombieland Saga involving the producer, Mike. Like, uh-huh. Watch a scene with him. That's Light Yagami's voice actor. They sound nothing alike. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So there is Zombieland Saga. There is Goblin Slayer, which is the definition mm. of controversy this season, which for good reason, I understand. It's very graphic. Uh, I will say that there hasn't been anything nearly as bad as what was shown in the first episode. Absolutely nothing close to it. And from what I've heard from my friends who have read the manga, there's it, only it doesn't. one scene. Yeah, there's only one scene later on in the manga that maybe even approaches the same level of gore. But yeah, that first episode is by far the worst. Mm. If you're put off by that, that's fine. Just know that. That's not representative of the entire show. There is a lot of great world building going on here. I'm so impressed by how clearly inspired, like they basically flat out tell you it's inspired by a D&D campaign. And there are so many little neat little trinkets and Easter eggs thrown in there that make someone who used to play D&D frequently, like myself, very, very happy. Another personal favorite that's going to get a lot, get fly on a lot of people's radar. Rascal does not dream of Buttergirl Senpai with, whew, what a name. Sounds like a trash harem. It's not. It's about a lot of, it goes into a lot of social psychological aspects of like the high school setting and how people are perceived and how that affects their perception of themselves. Like kind of this indirect bullying and that the weird atmosphere that you may have felt in high school that you can't really get past to actually truly connect with someone. It's a very fascinating show with a lot of hand wavy signs that I kind of have to look past. There's only a bunny girl in the very first episode, more like like the first quarter of the first episode never shows up again. It's not trash harem. You don't have to worry about that. It is super witty, witty uh, dialogue that reminds me of uh, the Bakemonogatari series and also my high school rom-com snafu, if you know the main character, uh, Hachiman, and his kind of cynical outlook on the world. It's very similar to those two shows. Uh, Sword Art Online is good again. I will stand by that. <laughs> That's all I'll go into that. I, I'm standing by that opinion. I already went into that. And yeah, that those are my opinions on the show. I will get into the Crunchyroll and Funimation stuff right after I hear Kyle and Harry's thoughts. Okay, speedy, because mm-hmm. I don't want Mike to disappear. So fast, <laughs> Kyle, quick, what are you watching? Uh, I mean, right now, I, yeah. Second, my vote for Zombieland Saga. Um, it is just fantastic, and it's got a really good sense of humor. There's very, uh, there's a lot of clever gags, and I don't say that about anime a lot, um, because it it just does a very good job of having a lot of visual puns 
um, which is very impressive for a show and a cartoon. Uh, it's great. Uh, the only really other current fall show I've been watching or watched was Alternative, uh, the sequel to the original Fooly Cooly. Uh, highly recommend that. It feels like a fucking indie movie, and it's great, and it's anime. That's really all I'm watching currently for this season, aside from Attack on Titan. Uh, but that is my speedy review. Go, Harry. Rapid oh, fire. Okay. Bam, bam, I'm bam. watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and it's yeah, I've I've seen it all before, but uh, I'm watching the new series, which is a uh, Vento Oreo. It's really fucking good. I love JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I love the kind of weird, experimental, quirky storytelling. Uh, I think it's cool. It's a good series. Good fun. On that subject, Mike, you had mixed feelings about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because you saw the first two series, which is uh, Phantom Blood and Battle Tendency, all about Hammond breathing. You enjoyed it. Then it got to the stand stuff. You kind of got a bit I, sure I am, about it. Before Mike what are your thoughts? I am inclined to oh. agree with him. Okay, cool. <laughs> I'm inclined to disagree. Well, but no. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, see, it was interesting because, Harry, you mentioned to me, just wait till season three when they get to the stands. That's when the show gets yeah. really good. And immediately... <laughs> Within, like, the first couple episodes, I was like, oh, I don't know about this. And it would have been, like, I would have been fine with it if they would have introduced the stands but still kept the home and breathing. Because now the, it's like they now the, it's like the show exists in a world where the first two seasons and everything that's happened don't even, like, matter. With the exception of mm-hmm. JoJo family and their legacy or whatever. Uh, or the Joestar, excuse me, the Joestar family and their legacy. It's like we just completely forgot about home and breathing. You know, it's like Dragon Ball Z, for example... Um, sort of recalibrated the way you looked at um, like Saiyans and how Goku has his powers and whatnot, but it didn't throw out everything you knew about the show before that. It just sort of gave you a different context for it by saying, oh, they're aliens. And that's my biggest problem with um, the third season of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and ultimately why I kind of tuned out of it is because it just feels like it didn't feel like the show I had been watching for two it's, seasons. It's, bas- it's basically a new show. Yeah, it's um, like a total reboot. The reason why I was okay with it, and I think the reason why a lot of people are okay with it, is because the first two series kind of suck, um, in my opinion. I think mm. Phantom Blood is pretty shitty. I think Battle Tendencies is all right. Like, that's quite entertaining. But, like, I, I watched it and I wasn't super, super invested. I like, I was kind of enjoying Battle Tendency, but I wasn't really attached to it. So when it was like, okay, now we're going to change it all... I was like, okay, yeah, cool. See if you can get me more hooked on this show because I'm kind of on the fence. And it did. So I was okay with it changing. But I understand if you really, really loved Battle Tendency and Phantom Blood, that change could be a negative thing. So like, Mike, did you really enjoy the first first two series? Well, it's interesting we were talking about Castlevania. I actually feel like the first season Phantom Blood is almost like a loose Castlevania adaptation. Like, it is very dark and gothic, and it takes place in the English countryside with vampires and stuff. So I, I kind of got on board with that. Was it Jonathan in the first series? Yeah, Jonathan Jones. He's a boring character, um, but I liked the way they addressed the ending of that story, and I liked the, the ending on the boat with him holding the severed head of his enemy and kind of cradling it into death. Like, that was a good ending for those two characters, and I don't like the fact that... Like, again, I, I was ready to be on board with Theo coming back, but I feel like it's such a slap in the face and such a, like, silly retcon that it just doesn't... It didn't work for me, and I didn't like him as this boah evil villain risen from the dead, and it just didn't work. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. And I, but think, um... I, I love Battle Tendency, though. I really love Battle Tendency. 
Yeah, Battle Tendency is quite good. I mean, what is nice about her Stardust Crusaders is that Joseph Joestar does still play a very, very prominent role as a side character. But if you're going out of so, Harmon, why doesn't he use the Harmon anymore? It is actually mentioned, I think, once in the series. He does yeah. mention it, but it still doesn't really come into play. Uh, he gets a stand of his own, but it's quite a weak stand. It's so lame! Um, it is a complete, like, <laughs> departure from it. And it's, it's strange. I'm not sure why the author did it. But I think it's very much one of those things, if you can get on board with it, it is awesome. But naturally, if it's just a bit too jarring, yeah, then, like, I know you're not alone. There are a few people that don't quite make the switch, and that's understandable. But if ever you turn around to the idea of the stands, there's a lot of really great stuff that does come on and happen. But as, like, like Sonic the Hedgehog, it is divisive. <laughs> and <laughs> people, like Castlevania Season 2, it is divisive. So yeah, so this has been a podcast of a very divisive opinions. It's been very cool. Uh, really quickly, just to wrap up super, super, super fast. Matt, Crunchyroll and Funimation have had a lovely marriage, but there's been strain and there's been uh, issues, <laughs> allegations of cheating, and now they're divorcing and uh, Funimation is taking the kids. So what's going on? <laughs> All right. So it, there wasn't a whole lot of altercations or anything like that. It's, it is an amicable part, uh, party, but... Long story short is basically Funimation has been bought by Sony and something we know about Sony video game wise at the very least is that they have very aggressive business policies, especially when it comes to exclusivity. And so they are ending the partnership with Crunchyroll. They're going to be taking all their series back from Crunchyroll to their own and same for the very few Crunchyroll shows that are on Funimation, they're going to go back to Crunchyroll. This is interesting for two reasons. One, I think it's going to really, really hurt Crunchyroll in the long run losing all those rights. They're going to be really hurt in the upcoming licensing battles for future seasons, I feel like. Because again, Sony is so aggressive in their business tactics, whereas Crunchyroll, I believe, is owned by AT&T. I might be wrong in that, but essentially they're not, they don't have as much clout. I'm looking at the list right now of shows that would be Funimation exclusive if they were uh, on their own. So Goblin Slayer, Zombieland Saga, SSS Gridman, Rabbit Senpai, Sword Art Online, um, and Index. Those would all be fun, Funimation exclusive. And you know, they're Crunchyroll, yeah. Yeah, the only show that Crunchyroll would have that has any, like is widely popular is Harry's favorite show, is JoJo, which is great. JoJo's great, but you can't have only one killer app yeah, for a season. They need a bit more. <laughs> right. Well, so I think with those series, aren't those just like, from what I had understood, they're keeping the shows that aired that were already airing when the announcement went forward or at least until like the next season so i don't know what they're doing with hero academia right exactly hero academia would also go back to funimation right so all this this divorce this divorce will not happen until the next season like everything will stay the same for now everything that's currently airing on the current sites and also multiple curves so if there's a show that will extend to the next season it'll stay on crunchyrolls slash funimation but once that runs up they're all going to start getting sucked back to their original homes. Dude. And then also after that, there's not going to be any more sharing of the shows between sites. And if this season is any indication, and the fact that Funimation also owns My Hero Academia, that's going to be a massive, massive hit for Crunchyroll, unless they step up their game. The other interesting aspect to this is that Funimation has pulled out of Verve, which I don't know if you guys oh, know about Oh, really? Verve. Have you heard it? Oh, Kyle has. Have you heard about that, Harry? Uh, I've heard about it a bit, yeah. I know, know is, it's like a kind of big partnership between the different streaming sites, isn't it? Right, yeah. It's 
one massive site for all the various kind of like nerd streaming sites. So Crunchyroll, Funimation, uh, Rooster Teeth, uh, a bunch of other things. Funimation is pulling out of that partnership. High Dive is replacing it. So that, again, goes back to Sony's extremely aggressive business practices. They want, it, they want to have the exclusivity. They want to have people coming to their own uh, platforms to consume their content. We see that with their uh, reluctance to do cross-play with like games like Fortnite and, so, and Rocket League on their consoles. I do want, I, I don't think it'll happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if they remove the Funimation app from other like consoles, if it wasn't on Xbox anymore, if they made the Funimation app only on PS4. Would not surprise me, I don't think it'll happen. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to say the least. I don't think Crunchyroll will take this line down. I think they understand what this means for them. And so the next upcoming season, I feel like is going to be quite the spectacle to see the di the division of shows between it's, the two. It's going to be depressingly sites. interesting. And it just mm -hmm. annoys me because firstly, being in the UK, it's really hard to get streaming anyways. Like, like Japan's mm -hmm. really fucking weird with its streaming laws. And like, yeah, in the UK, there's like, there's not much on Crunchyroll. I have to use an unblocker to actually get like a kind of American Crunchyroll. Um, but I just, what annoys me is that I would happily buy more anime series on DVD, but like most anime DVDs are fucking so expensive, including if you live in America, like I've, I've said this before about One Piece, like I think you'll get like a Funimation DVD, which would be like 20, 25 quid. And that'll be like, uh, 15, 20 episodes or something. And it's like, if you've got a show that's 900 ish episodes, like that's going to cost way too much to buy. Like do the math. It's so fucking much. Mm -hmm. Just like, like I, I don't pirate stuff personally, but I think people can be excused for pirating when they're just not given easy access to stuff that's affordable and convenient. Like if, if they're not provided that, then of course they're going to pirate. It's completely understandable. And I think things like this, these splits between companies, all it means is that there's going to be more pirating. And you know what? It's understandably so. I think like people are being encouraged to pirate at this point because they're making it far harder for them to actually pay for and access this content. I pay for a Crunchyroll premium membership, but it's at times like this and it's like, well, maybe I'll have to cancel it then. Maybe like if they're going to lose all these shows, I'll cancel my membership. Like, right. And, that, that's and you might have point. to split between two services in order to get the full catalog. Or yeah. more in some cases, if these yeah. other streaming sites end up taking off someday. And that's for something because like, I'm not going to do that because I can't afford it. I can't pay for like two or three different streaming sites. Like I've, I've not got the time. I'll pay for one. And I think most people will. But like people aren't going to be paying for like Funimation and Crunchyroll and Verve as well. And like that's just crazy. Like so it's sad. Why is business a thing why can't everyone just have content why can't it just be a site called the anime site and all the anime is on there and that was crunchyroll back in the day until everyone's like hey anime is doing pretty good in the world and then amazon came in and why Netflix oh. came in. <laughs> i wish anime had never become successful and only we knew about it and <laughs> it was all just on on one site and you could just watch it all wherever you were in the world and it, it was just streaming and you just pay like a fiver a month. Why can it not be like that? Why is life hard? Pirate. <sighs> yeah. No. I can't say that on a, on a public I'm, I'm not saying you should do it. I'm saying that's a thing. <laughs> and oh, you're yeah. inclined to do that. 
who am I to stop you? So yeah, so <laughs> Kyle's advice. Suck your dad's dick. If you want to do that. Who is he to stop you? I mean, that, that's what you were that's what you were talking about, that's wasn't exactly, it? Yeah, you know what? Watch out for <laughs> suck your dad's dick. Yes, cool. all right. <laughs> we'll end with that piece of advice. Right. We'll I end guess. with that great. You guys advice. should just end with that as your log off every week. Oh watch every anime. Watch out. anime. Watch and out. Suck your dad's dick. Signature sign off. <laughs> we'll start and end with it. That'll be good. Um, anyways, so super fast before Mike has to go. Kyle, who are you on Twitter? I am like the rogue on Twitter. Like the rogue, and, and we'll Matt, let you off the hook because we're in a rush. Who are you? Who am I? Oh my! On on Pornhub. <laughs> on Pornhub, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable sharing my login credentials for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I am at Musing Mojak, M U S I N G M O J A C K, and my recommendation among the other ones that I listed earlier is uh, Irizuka World in Colors. It's very pretty. PA works has outdone themselves, and it's got like this uh, very subdued magical feeling to it. Nice. Fantastic. And Mike. Who the hell are you? Who are you on Twitter? I am at Gameskeeper Mike on Twitter, and as for a recommendation, I would like to recommend the little scene film uh, Your Name, which I'm sure nobody has oh, heard of. Oh, that film oh. is fucking awesome. I love it, and it's one of my favorites. Good movie. I finally got around it to is, watching it like it a couple weeks ago. It is so fucking good. Like, I, I take yeah. it you watched the, the Japanese version and not the. Oh, no. yes. Absolutely. Yes. Purist. Like, I, Fuck the dub, don't watch that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's so just romantic and beautiful and just amazing. It, it makes me cry. It's so good. Yes, and on Twitter, I am Harry underscore Morris underscore. And uh, my recommendation, I mentioned it earlier, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the new season. It's really, really cool. I watched uh, Friday's episode earlier, just before the podcast, and it's great. It's really cool. So yeah, uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and, you for having me. Yeah, yeah. Wherever you have to go, I hope it's good. I hope you have a great time. I hope it's <laughs> And uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, what, what episode has this been? Which episode of the podcast is this? I think we're on uh, seven. One second. Seven. We are on seven, yes. <laughs> thank you for listening to episode seven of the Anime Ichiban podcast on Goombastomp. Uh, all the best. Thank you. Suck your dad's dick. Suck your dad's dick. <laughs> and-